Hi, everyone. Welcome to Reluctantly Adult, an advice podcast for people who believe they shouldn't be allowed to adult. I'm your host, Charmel Scipio, and I reluctantly adult. Over the month of April, we've been talking about different travel scenarios and different things that regular people do in order to achieve those goals. In today's episode, I talk with Dina and Eric, two friends of mine, about their amazing 10-month-long honeymoon uh, backpacking South America. They share with us how they came up with this idea, a couple of stories about almost dying, um, and they share a divinely inspired song that Dina wrote while sitting next to a lake in Patagonia. It was a really fun and dope conversation, and I hope you all enjoy. Welcome to Reluctantly Adult. Please introduce yourselves to the people. Hi, my name is Dina Klansky. And my name is Eric Weitz. And Dina and Eric are married and they did something awesome. So I know everyone's probably like, who cares? No one cares about Dina and Eric. Uh, but the reason that I had them on is because they did something that I didn't know was a bucket list thing for me until they did it. And I was like, this is totally a bucket list thing, which is you guys got married and then went on a honeymoon for 10 months backpacking South America. Why? <laughs> like, it sounds awesome, but in like in, in actual practice, like why? It sounds impossible. Also. I think, I think for me, um, and think I think for both of us, the main reason we left is because it was kind of what better time than now. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we reached a juncture in our life where we were professionals, we were making good money, and why were we going to stay in America forever when this was such a long-time dream of ours? Right. And we said, you know what? We're going to save some money, and we're going to quit our jobs, and we're going to do this. And we did. And we're better because of it. Yep. You guys do realize that sounds crazy, right? <laughs> like you guys were like, everything was going great for us, and we had jobs, and we're smart, and we left it all. Like, I, the, Actually, the ironic thing is that decision was the best decision we could have made professionally mm -hmm. because after we came back, you know, had we not left, we would have stayed at the same jobs that right. weren't really going anywhere. And yeah, we would have kind of muddled through life and maybe be happy. But making that decision, you know, gave us the the go ahead to to you know kind of the confidence to say, you know what, I know I'm making the right decision, so right. let me just keep going forward. Mm -hmm. So this has helped you guys like professionally, like when when you come back, mm -hmm. as outside of just confidence of just like on the road, we had literally thousands of interactions with people, mm -hmm. um, people that didn't know our language, people we didn't know their culture, mm -hmm. came from completely different sets of worlds. And through, through all of those interactions, one, it gave us confidence, mm -hmm. it gave us a better way to, to learn how to communicate fully with people. And it's mm -hmm. very little of that is based on actual language. Right. Uh, most of it is based on body language and being able to understand someone and be able to read who they are. Mm -hmm. So I think in the end, uh, it just, it opened our eyes to what another world could be mm -hmm. and how, and how people from different parts of the world just live with different sets of priorities and they still get on. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so Dina and I are friends cause we went to business school together. 
Um, yeah, Temple. Woo. <laughs> and that actually would be two uh, business school friends uh, in this series because I, I interviewed Corey too. And um, when when I found out that this is what you guys were doing I was like oh yeah that's totally Dina like that has Dina written all over it like why wouldn't it you know and and this is having you know lived with India lived with Dina in India for four months and just you know waking up one day and be like where's Dina oh I don't know we haven't seen her in three days (laughs) we, we think she's okay though but we haven't seen her in three days like you you just sort of have this adventure and like wonderlust about you um so sort of what what is it in that 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 sort of makes you always kind of go out and and want to do different and new things from from the time that I was a child I grew up in a family where travel mm-hmm. and appreciation of culture and food and art um was was very paramount to mm-hmm. our our values so you know, call me a little spoiled brat, but from a very young age, I, I got to go to Australia, New Zealand, Europe, all over. And my parents, you know, I wouldn't say we're extremely, extremely wealthy. We, you know, we we would stay in hostels. We, mm-hmm. w- we would go to, we'd stay at friends' houses. And, and seeing that from a young age, my dad had friends that he met when he was in his 20s. Mm-hmm. And 30 years later, they still welcomed him. Right. They still knew who he was and I said you know what to myself subconsciously mm-hmm. one day I would love to have friends from all over the world right. and and be able to to see them and enjoy them and and see their families and see how they've grown so for me having that basis of 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 childhood mm-hmm. you know right from um it encouraged me to do things like like travel and 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 pursue our degree abroad mm-hmm. And and this was this trip was that next stepping stone for me. Right. So Eric, sometimes it feels like you were just bought along with this crazy girl, but it it seems like you also have like this this sense of adventure and and just want to do something more. So sort of, how in your mind did you get to this place where you're like adventure all the time? Uh, well, my parents too. They set me on on trips and stuff Mm -hmm. i wasn't always so much internationally i was more of the wilderness outdoor kind of Mm -hmm. uh stuff and it it just translated as i got older and i had a little bit more money in my pocket i could send myself places it Mm -hmm. kind of translated into like well where's the next place i can go what's the next adventure i can get into um when we started dating i found out she was game for the same kind of stuff Mm -hmm. we just kind of develop that spirit together um and starts with like looking at pictures of places Mm -hmm. hearing about other people's stories and i never want to do the same thing somebody else did but it's like man that sounds really cool right you know and that's basically where my sense of adventure comes from just just where else what else can i accomplish right so The other thing is that this trip, before we actually talk about the trip itself, is that you guys have to understand that Dina and Eric are so like super fairy tale. Like when everyone found out that they were getting married, like it it was legit like fairy tale shit. Like you guys have been dating since when? Like forever. And like you guys were practically, you know, came out of the womb and they were dating forever (laughs) but like can you kind of like share sort of how you guys you know came together basically like because i i do know that um you guys have 
what you guys went to college together, but you guys knew each other from high school too, correct? Uh, we didn't go to college together. So oh. we went to the same middle school, but we weren't okay. friends until we got to high school. We okay. had a, a common friend. We all hung out through high school. Um, and after college, we started dating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you tell the story. About Great, it. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. let's get Dina to fill in some of those gaps. Yeah. No, I mean <laughs> the, the 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 short story is you know we we've been friends since we were kids, mm-hmm. and because we were friends, it 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 gave me a perception of him without having uh, an an attachment. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm probably not explaining that the best. But the bottom line is, we were friends since we were kids. Right. We've seen each other go through other relationships. And after college, it was kind of a point in our lives where he wasn't dating anyone, I wasn't dating anyone, and things just fell into place. Right. And you know, from, from having that basis of a relationship where we were friends, mm-hmm. purely friends first, I think that gave us a better advantage for our uh, longevity as as partners absolutely i i think that the most interesting thing that so let's see i had only seen you guys interact i think as a couple graduation and then i got an invite to your wedding so first of all i just want to copy dina's whole dina and eric's whole wedding we get like the entire thing was magic like it was amazing guys like you have no idea like it was perfect weekend it was so much fun like everyone was so happy to be there for you guys and the thing was is that again i didn't know you guys as a couple like i met eric talked to him on the phone a lot of times when we were in india but it, it was just sort of like this voice on the other side of the phone and he's just like is dina there nope you know when she's coming back no actually we don't uh we'll leave a note for her thanks hey like you know she'd be all right yeah she's probably she's probably fine she's probably fine like there were a lot of times that you were like guys she's probably fine and we're like are you sure are you sure she's fine he's like yeah yeah yeah. no she's good don't worry um so kind of getting to see you guys that weekend together and like how you interact with each other is just sort of the number one thing that I noticed with the two of you is that you, you, neither one of you take yourself too seriously. Like you're just like, whatever, I don't fucking care. Like it's no big deal. Like, like there's a lot of like shrugs and just sort of continuous like benefit of the doubt for and with each other. And just thinking that, you know, you, you have a confidence that you know that your partner always wants the best for you and will sort of do anything to ensure that you get that and it, and it was very sort of unselfish and then I kind of thought I was like well they were about to get married of course it looks like that um so just can you talk about how you sort of develop because there's an there's an inherent trust in that because yeah like it has to be so it's sort of like how your friendship kind of I guess uh what's the word that I want to use how it how it evolved into what it yeah, is yeah yeah well First off, nobody makes me laugh harder than her. And I'm not talking Aww. about like, I'm not talking about like she cracks jokes that I like. I, right. I, I'll, I'll just sit back and just watch her mm-hmm. and just be amazed about her process. And I'll think to myself <laughs> the next day and it'll just make me crack up. Right. So, I, so for that reason, mm-hmm. I kind of just, I, I, I like letting her do her own thing. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. 
I mean, Dina's never, she never disappoints. She never disappoints. (laughs) You know what also, in that vein, it's hard work, man. Mm -hmm. You know, Eric and I didn't reach this point in our relationship through through luck mm-hmm. or through, through through not through osmosis mm-hmm. it, it was it was hard work you know being in a relationship is a full-time job and keeping each other accountable mm-hmm. for one another's actions and also communicating hey you fucked up right okay and, and putting that person in line absolutely because mm-hmm. if you don't do that over time, um, you'll begin to resent each other. And I mm-hmm. always made it very clear with Eric. I said, you know what? If something doesn't, if I don't like something or we're not jiving, I'm going to tell you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be straightforward with you. And I think having that attitude, both of us sharing that attitude with each other, um, helped us get through a lot of hard times and made us appreciate even more what we had. Absolutely. So, how then did you guys come to the idea to? just completely blow out of the water the traditional honeymoon the the genesis of it wasn't very romantic we Mm -hmm. were planning our honeymoon and we kind of always talked about going to patagonia and machu picchu Mm -hmm. and then when you look at a map you realize they're 2500 miles away from each other right it's like oh well at the time we had jobs and it was like uh, maybe we could squeeze an extra week out of our companies, get a three-week honeymoon. Like now, we're just running across another continent. Right. Never really going to get the chance to enjoy ourselves. Right. And the more and more we talked, the more and more we realized that's mm-hmm. what we wanted to do: is is experience not just a couple places, mm-hmm. but really immerse ourselves in another land, in another environment. Mm-hmm. And it, the only way to do that was to to, to have the time. Right. And we did our little cost-benefit analysis, and we realized that the the gains we'd get from the trip was was much higher than the losses we'd have from right. not working for a year. It was, it was worth the risk for us. It was also timing. Mm-hmm. My consulting project um, was about to end. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric's Eric had been working on a construction project for several years, and that project was also about to end. Mm-hmm. And we thought to ourselves, since these projects are ending kind of around the same time, it's, it, it is advantageous in our careers. Mm-hmm. And we were all so confident that we said, you know, we have a skill set um, that's marketable that we could take anywhere with us. Right. And because of that confidence and because of the timing, it just seemed like everything was to fall into place. And... Another thing is when you have nothing left to lose mm-hmm. and everything to gain, that's when you actually reap the biggest rewards. That sounds mad cheesy and mad like <laughs> like it's the truth. Mad cheesy and mad like aspirational. We had no responsibilities except to ourselves. We had right. no mortgage. We had no kids. We had money in the bank. We we're make you know we were we were doing well professionally. If not now, when? Right. I always wanted to further my my knowledge in Spanish. I always wanted to learn a new language. I mean, we come from an international business background. One of the first things people always ask is, what languages do you know? Uh, English somewhat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of this, a little bit English-ish. of that. English-ish. Yeah. Yeah. So that, to me, that was also another big goal was to learn another language. So why South America? Like outside of wanting to go to Patagonia and Machu Picchu, so... Why, why settle on South America? 
It's the only place neither of us have ever been to before. Oh, okay. So it was a, gr- a level playing field. Right. You know, mm-hmm. neither one of us had been there. Neither of us knew anything about it beyond what we had read mm-hmm. and beyond what our friends and family had told us. So, hey, experience something new, totally challenging together right after we got married. Right. Um, hells yeah, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, when, okay, so you guys are saying, we're going to do this. How did you prepare for this? And I both mean like, the packing part because you're did you know from the onset that you would be gone for almost a year uh we had our return ticket home we needed to have a return ticket home so we kind of had that oh we had a wedding to go to so we we had a target (laughs) right we knew what day we were coming home okay it was just kind of filling the blanks from there we had a a ticket out we had a ticket in Mm -hmm. and it was like all right let's um, so my parents came to visit us mm-hmm. about six, seven weeks into the, into the trip mm-hmm. in Peru. So we knew we had to be there for that. Right. The other kind of milestone we had was we had we were meeting friends in Brazil for the World Cup. So mm-hmm. we knew we needed to be in Brazil in July. Um, but from February to, to April, we were kind of just freestyling it from April to July. Mm-hmm. And after July, it was, it was just all bets were off. We didn't really plan too much mm-hmm. maybe just a week or two ahead um knowing you know by what was it december 26th was our flight home so we knew hey december 26th we're home let's let's just cruise right you know? there was a decent amount of planning because we knew we had to have a certain route you mm-hmm. know we started in colombia and we kind of you know made it all the way down to the southern tip of patagonia and tierra del fuego and we also, you know, we're kind of, I don't know, we're, we're, we're kind of smart. So we said to ourselves, <laughs> you know, I'm not going blind here, but right. I, and I'm not, I'm not going to be so stringent in like every day, this is what we're doing, this mm-hmm. is the itinerary, but mm-hmm. this is the route, this is what we want to see in each country. We left ourselves, you know, nimble to the point where, hey, if something else came up, we heard about some, some other beautiful place we wanted to go, right. we could switch gears and do that. Um, but we did set kind of a route, definitely places of interest that we wanted to see, mm-hmm. and correlated that with cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we made a spreadsheet and a spreadsheet. We did. Okay, we did. We, did. we made a budget. <laughs> we yeah. made a budget. Yeah. Okay, because you know, I don't want to go into something blind, but nor do I want to go into something where every single day is regimented either. Right. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to know what was it going to cost, what was it going to take in terms of time. And the rest, everything else just fell into place. Mm -hmm. But packing, packing is a whole nother ball of wax because we realized that one, we're backpacking. Everything that we brought, we had to carry with us. So in the beginning, we definitely realized that we brought way too much stuff than we actually needed. Mm -hmm. And throughout the trip, we had to let things go. But a lot of it was based on what types of weather and climates are we going to come into contact with? What adventure you know eric and i love skiing and hiking rock climbing what what other type of gear are we going to need um and through a combination of writing a complete list of definitely things that we had to have with us like Mm -hmm. neoprene shirt you know hiking pants sunglasses um and then other things were we we, you know we bought on the way too but we we had a very specific list based on the types of things that we were going to do Mm mm-hmm so let's take a step back. You guys created a spreadsheet we did. that 
outlined your budget. So people people are going to ask, and I'm going to ask you because how you knew that you were going to do this. So leading up to this, how did you save? Because essentially you have to be able to provide for yourselves for a year after not working, basically. So how how did you go about doing that? One of the simplest things that we did was we made an automatic debit out of our checking account every week that would go into a combined savings account. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just take the... You know, going to the bank, writing a deposit slip, putting it in, it just, it happened automatically. And Mm -hmm. once we realized through pure math, based on X amount per week for both of us in six months, eight months, this is how much we would have. Mm -hmm. And on that budget, we created an itinerary that would be able to suit those needs. So in a year, like roughly, how much did you guys realize that you needed to survive? I mean... The number that we came at, which was around, in the end, it was around Mm $30,000, about $15,000 each. Um, It was what we had saved, and we knew that we had to work within that parameter. Mm -hmm. So when we were going over the numbers, we said to ourselves, we're definitely going to have to work for a part of this. Yep. And that working in in multiple cities and different uh, types of business environments Mm -hmm. really enabled us to to make that 30,000 stretch a lot. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So what kind of, obviously to save that amount of money while you guys are preparing for a wedding and also sort of knowing that you're going to be winding down your careers, there are inherent sacrifices that had to be made. Sort of what are, what are some of those things that you guys are just like, we got to bite the bullet and we got to do this. Um, You know, so Dina mentioned before that we had the uh, the automatic withdrawal. Mm-hmm. I, for me, I, I was I'm not really I'm still not really a good saver. It's more <laughs> Dina's uh, job, but to have it automatically withdrawn from your paycheck, right? I you don't feel it as much, mm-hmm. you know, because if you never see it, you never know you have it, kind right. of thing. Um, so there's that aspect, but we certainly had to you know eat out less. There was a time where we never cooked for ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. Every weekend we were in Manhattan drinking too much. <laughs> Partying too much. Um, the summer before, we could we didn't take any trips. We usually take two or three mm-hmm. long weekend trips in the summer. We had to cut those down. Mm-hmm. Um, the winter before, we didn't do much skiing. You know, stuff like that, little sacrifices. But in the back of my mind, I knew it'd be worth it because whatever weekend adventure I'm losing now, I'm going to have... 30 weekend adventures right you know, right the next uh, year so looking like looking into that sort of how long over how long of a time span did you guys sort of plan and, <coughs> and like save for this i would say probably probably about a year okay it took yeah. us probably about a year to save and yeah yeah, it wasn't we too started much planning than the that. trip and while the same time we started planning the wedding we started mm-hmm. planning our trip Pretty much. So it's just like you guys were mad disciplined is what it sounds like. Like, a you know, lo- I, I want I want like your listeners to understand, like we didn't have to sacrifice so much to mm-hmm. the point where our lives changed, okay. you know, in the sense that it was small things that we had to change about our routine. Mm-hmm. And for Eric and I, you know, like you said earlier, we're very chill. We're laid back people, mm-hmm. you know. 
going out to dinner for six people and spending a couple hundred bucks or say having my friends here, hey, come over for dinner at my house. I'll cook right. for you. Mm-hmm. It it just it worked out, right. and we were we we didn't have to change too much. Mm-hmm. And for everyone who wants to do this, it really doesn't take that much of a right. sacrifice. Yeah, it it, 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 it all really it's incredible how much money you could save by just cutting out, you know, the little things that mm-hmm. you, you just have made part of your life that you've right. taken for granted. You know, you just hey, I'm not going to get that five dollar cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, and in a year, you're like, man, I can't believe how much money I saved. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I guess to me, it, and I'm, just, I, I don't know about my listeners. I, I, I have sort of looked at this whole thing that you guys have done, and sort of had a, you know, a closer view than maybe some other people who may read a similar story, you know, in a magazine or something like that. And to me, it's always a thing of. It, it it just doesn't seem real. Like in spite of knowing two people that do it, it, it seems like something that is is unattainable, inherently unattainable in part because what you're saying is, okay, we we planned for this. Like we knew what the numbers were and we shot for the numbers. And if we, you know, if we knew we came within this margin of error, like we were good to go, great. These are the things that we set up to aim for those numbers and we sort of did that. But on the other hand, it's it's just one of those things that just feels really crazy because you're saying we willingly pulled our safety net from under us and just said, we're going to do this and we're out of here. And to me, like there's there's just a part of me that's just like, mm, I don't know if that's for you, girl. And in part is that it just it's like stepping out onto a line where you don't know if there's something underneath to catch you. And, and it's really scary. Did you guys have that feeling or or no? Well, I think because Eric and I are our team and mm-hmm. we did this together, um, a lot of that, a lot of that feeling of scared or you know feeling of fright or what, what's going to happen to me um, subsided because we had each other. Mm-hmm. You know, not to be cheesy, but like as a single woman going mm-hmm. to South America by herself, not knowing anyone, I'd be really scared to do that by mm-hmm. myself, and I I probably say probably wouldn't have done it you know um there were many times throughout the journey our safety was somewhat compromised Mm -hmm. and because we were together because we were a team um i feel like it dissuaded a lot of other people from hindering us and and from affecting who we are that wasn't the best answer sorry (laughs) but yeah no our, our safety for the most part was good because we were a team right so that definitely helped motivate us to travel together so you guys went to 10 countries in South America. Can you list them off? Yes. You can. Uh, okay, go ahead. Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia, Brazil, Paraguay, Argentina, Chile, Uruguay. I should have asked you to do it in alphabetical order. Damn it. Well, this was actually <laughs> was in order. That was yeah, chronological that sounds like order. It. Yeah, yeah. So. I don't even know if it was 10. Hold on. Colombia, Ecuador, <laughs> Peru. Bolivia, Brazil, Paraguay, Argentina, Chile, Uruguay. It's nine countries. Okay. I might have missed one, but I don't think I missed one, right? I don't, no, know. I don't think so. Yeah. Nine countries. <laughs> oh, Ecuador. Ecuador, sorry. Hello. Yeah. How can we get forget our Ecuador. Ecuadorian people? <laughs> Los so, Santo, Ecuador. <laughs> <laughs> so when you guys, you know, were like, all right, 
we planned our route, you know, and, and these are the places that we're going to go. Uh, did you guys speak Spanish before you left? Um, well, we both took Spanish in high school. We both live in New York where there's a lot of Spanish speaking people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we were doing like free internet stuff before we left. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, in actual class, we didn't take actual classes until mm-hmm. we got to South America and we did take some Spanish classes there. So how was your like housing situation set up? Like how did you guys do that? We stayed in literally every type of hostel you could imagine. <laughs> Not from, just hostels, every but, living situation possible. Yeah. <laughs> we did couch surfer. Yeah. You know, we, we we met people and we stayed on their couch. We we worked at a hostel, which included pretty much our food and our lodging. So that was taken care of. But for the most part it was it was a lot of different hostels, a lot of camping, mm-hmm. hiking. Um, once in a blue moon when we could splurge a hotel mm-hmm. uh, but for the most part it was it was hostels hiking and um, some really shady places <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> B- buses too actually one of the tricks of of land travel is you take the night bus so you get a free uh, you get a free night lodging on the bus if you if I, I could sleep fine on buses so right. I was like yeah don't have to pay for a hotel tonight in South America, the bus culture is much more developed than it is here. Mm-hmm. People will, it is the common way of traveling. Many times we had to take a 24-hour bus drive, a bus trip, and it was just, you know, known, hey, take that bus trip at night so right. you don't have, you save on the lodging. Right. That's so. actually really smart. Like, yeah. I, I don't think I would have thought of that. I'd be like, I'm stuck on this goddamn bus in the middle of the damn day and it's hot. Yeah, no, that, it's uh, just, yeah. A lot of the locals don't like taking day buses for just mm-hmm. that reason because the sun's just baking inside the bus and you know the air conditioners don't work. Yeah. So nobody likes to take day trips. It, it's it's common for people to take night trips there. So what was like one of you guys or or a couple of your, your favorite aspects of the trip? It's that's That's a tough question. I mean, going from my gut, my one of my favorite parts was every day I felt like my eyes were exposed to seeing new things, mm-hmm. my tasting new things, talking to new things. So that 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 nuance every day, you know, when you're a child, obviously you don't really remember it, but you're getting fed all of this information: yep. how to talk, how to how to how to how to breathe, how to act, how to walk, how to do this, how to respond to certain things. So for us, it was like. Oh my God, I, f- I feel like reborn, you know, mm-hmm. not to be mm-hmm. cheesy, but every day was, I'm, I'm trying new fruits, I'm trying new cuisine, I'm meeting new people, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm talking in different language. So it was just like, my brain was just like, whoa, 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 all of this information all at once, right. you know? So that to me was one of the favorite aspects. Every day was new. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and a specific thing we like to do is one of our favorite things to do was to go to the markets and mm-hmm. just see what kind of new food we could eat or see what nonsense is going on there because they're generally like the social and political centers of the city even geographical centers of the city yeah um and it was just a congregation of everybody it's it's ingrained into their culture the Mm -hmm. the market so it was just you know let's go to the market you know see what's on sale today or and see what they're cooking because every day they cook something different right it was just it was just different experience not like going to the supermarket here and you know just picking up whatever. Yeah, yeah, picking up whatever, exactly. Like one thing I want other people to understand is every day wasn't we're, we're climbing this new 
rock face or mm-hmm. we're, we're trekking to Machu Picchu, a lot of the days we spent, which enabled us to s- sit within our budget, was, mm-hmm. okay, today our goal is we're going to find food and we're going to cook it. Mm-hmm. We're going to find a place to wash our clothes or we're going to have to wash our clothes ourselves. And that was the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So coming from a very fast-paced New York City life to... Um, to going from you know 100 miles an hour to literally five miles an hour. Right. Through that experience, taking the time, I mean, literally, wash. Have you ever washed jeans? <laughs> yeah, when we by were, hand. Yeah, when we yeah. were overseas, like it's the worst fucking thing ever. It's the worst. It's fu- it's, it's terrible. terrible. Yeah. But when you realize that, oh my gosh, three hours of my day today was just washing my clothes. Right. It gives you a sense of. Of, of a humbleness and, mm-hmm. and you take for granted all these things that you just do all the time when you live a fast paced life. But, but it wasn't even, it, it wasn't hard there. Like at home, I w I meant the five minutes it takes me to wash the dishes right there. It was like three hours to wash clothes. Oh man, it flew by. You right. Know? Cause it's something different. It's something new, you know, and it's, it was necessary. And mm-hmm. you know, without all the distractions of the world and eight to 10 hours a day of just, being bombarded with information you take that out of your day the the simple daily activities of life become much more interesting instead of regrettable so then that leads me to ask sort of what what skills that you guys develop over over the course of this trip that you were just like when you got back they're useful but then they're not at the same time I can tell you one thing I lost is shame. Like, I have no problem telling anybody anything anymore. <laughs> if I want something, I'll ask for it. If right. I don't think something's right. Because after, you know, a few months of, you know, oh, man, I wonder if, if it's all right if I ask this person if I could borrow, you know, the sugar. Right. It turns into, hey, I'm going to take that. Right. You know, it's like, you know. Sometimes we we all... uh we can all be a little timid, you mm-hmm. know, like, oh, I don't know, maybe, uh, should I? Uh? By the end of this trip, I had so many interactions with people. I was <laughs> yeah. like, where's this? How do we get it? Got it? Okay, peace, let's go. Right. Like, th- there was no hesitation, right. you know. I feel the only way people become confident is by, is by being challenged and actually overcoming and, and doing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you, if you don't have the exposure, um, you're never going to have that. You're never going to have that confidence. So being able to have, I wouldn't say no shame. I, I mean, I, I would say it's just this unwavering ability to to ask and, and to put yourself out there without mm-hmm. feeling embarrassed or feeling shameful. Right. So I guess that would then make me ask you guys, like, you, to survive, like you said, you you had to kind of tamp back being being timid, but also you had to make sort of new friendships. And, and Dina, you talked about how your dad made friends, you know, 30 plus years ago, but, you know, they're still friends. They're still willing to, to kind of, you know, open themselves up to you and your family. Like, how how did you guys sort of begin to craft your network of, of new friends? So on the road, um, you know, hostels are kind of like a, like centers for social and breeding activity. You know, mm-hmm. we, we came into contact with people from all different parts of the world, people from our own country. And in the beginning, yes, it, it was kind of awkward. Like, okay, I have to pretty much go up to a table of people. I have no idea who they are and just mm-hmm. say, Hey, what's going on? Right. Um, 
and after a couple hundred times, it got a lot easier. <laughs> right. And, and to be honest with you, um, when, we, when we stayed in places for long amounts of time, weeks, um, we got to know everybody there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of also very much known when you're a backpacker, you know, you meet people and they, hey, you want to go to that city? And yeah, we're going to go. And we, we right. would travel together. Um, hey, I'm, I'm leaving. Okay, peace. You know, so there were people that came in and out of our journey. Mm-hmm. There were people that one woman I met who was working at a hostel, the first place we stayed, which was in Cartagena mm-hmm. in Colombia. I met her on one of my last weeks on a hiking trail to Frey in Bariloche, Argentina. Oh, wow. Just to give you a sense, like... About an eight month. Eight months later. Right. We ran into her again. People people come in and out. A lot of people are kind of on a similar path, a similar route. Mm -hmm. So you see them, you don't see them, but it was was very easy, especially at hostels, Mm -hmm. to meet people and to just put yourself out there. Eric and I also spent a lot of time in parks. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we talked to bums, alcoholics, derelicts. I mean, it was all a great learning experience. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say bad clowns. Bad we spent clowns. a lot of time with Circus bad performers. clowns. Yeah. Um, <laughs> non-talented you clowns. Know, we, non-talented clowns. <laughs> we, we spent time with all different sorts of people, mm-hmm. not just um, backpackers, not just, uh, you know, uh, all all different walks of life. Mm-hmm. And uh, to speak on your question about how you maintain those friendships, mm-hmm. it, it, it takes an effort. Um, I tend to not put too much effort into the friendships I have with the people I've known my whole life. <laughs> but, and, you know, I think They're it's just natural. They take, keep coming back. You, know, yeah. you take your friends for granted. But, yeah. but I realized that in order to, to maintain these friends that we met, uh, sometimes we only met them for a couple days, but in mm-hmm. those, those could be a pretty intense couple days where right. you, you really grow a relationship with them. Where like we're making an effort to 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 see them, to to invite them over. Just right. last month, we had a friend. We stayed with him. We met him through Couchsurfers. Uh, he came here. He after he came back from Vietnam, he was in New York for a few days, and we demanded he stay with us mm-hmm. like it was no you're gonna stay with us right even right. if we're not here dina had to go on business and i had to leave for business they were here by themselves we're like mm-hmm. no you will stay in our house right um we met some friends who live in california we went out to visit them in january mm-hmm. um and it, it, it's just it to me it, it's it's important for us to maintain these relationships with the people we met absolutely i, I use her father as the role model that like he invites friends that he met overseas they're children their kids stay mm-hmm. with us when they come to america and he he demands that he he even gives them a job for a couple of weeks if they right. need it stuff like that you know whatever whatever comfort you could extend to somebody it's it's worth the the time and the investment in mm-hmm. the end that's cool that i mean you guys are sort of outgoing people in general though like eric not as much as Dina. <laughs> and if you guys met these these folks, like you you understand like Dina's just kinda like this like like a tiger. Ah, like in your face. And Eric's more kinda like in the background, like sup, like like if you come up to Eric and you talk to him, like he will talk to you, but n- might not necessarily make the first move. Whereas Dina's like, Hey, what's going on? What's <laughs> what's all of this? Uh how can I get in this mix? Um And I, I tell Eric all the time, I was like, I think I'd 
kill myself if I dated somebody like me. Like, I would hate them. <laughs> like, there's only room enough for one Dina in this relationship, and, and, and we balance each other. And I would Absolutely. be bored out of my mind if I was dating somebody like myself. Like, <laughs> yeah. We, Nobody yeah. would talk. No. <laughs> no. Sometimes there's no need for talking, though, Dina. Like, just, just there let's just isn't. sit there. Just be quiet. <laughs> um. So you guys kind of got to do really fun things by being in South America for an entire year. Like, for example, like you guys said, you went to the World Cup. What? So what was that like? It was pretty incredible. So we didn't go to any of the games. Mm -hmm. Um, We spent our times like in the public squares Mm -hmm. in Rio de Janeiro. They set up, you know, I don't know how big the screen is, like house size screen Mm -hmm. uh, on the beach that people were watching. And it was just like, you know, it had to be 20,000 people just all hanging out together, watching the games. Um, We couldn't really afford to be in the cities too much. So we went out into the country and it was the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the town might have one TV. Everybody in the town was around that TV. Right. Um, so it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't really know what to say. It was expensive while we were there. It was the most expensive month we had there for sure. Um, but I, I wanted to find that international cultural event that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's once in a lifetime and that the world cup event was that for us. So it, it seemed like, because I saw some of you, your pictures that you guys posted from there, and it seemed like it was just a party for the entire time that it was happening. In, in spite of you guys not even being like in the stadium doing those things, because to me, I don't know if I would necessarily want to be in the stadium either. Like I think I would mm-hmm. rather be viewing it outside, like on the streets, because it would then sort of be this hybrid of this event of watching this match plus, you know, doing whatever you would do for like a street fair or, or something like that kind of all combined. Um, what else, like what else did you guys do around that? Well, one thing, you know, the Brazilian people, especially of Rio de Janeiro, they are they are very very outgoing. Mm-hmm. They love to dance. They love to you know flaunt their bodies on the beach. There's exercise equipment up and down uh, the beaches. Um, you you see the guys all day just you know pumping iron and, and, and sweating and right. you know and the women. I mean, oh my gosh, I, they're just they're they're beautiful people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they know it. They like to flaunt it. They're not afraid of it. <laughs> right. And especially like soccer. You know, not only in Brazil, but in all of South America is like water. Mm-hmm. It, it's vital for the culture. People, um, you know, especially, you know, especially people who are very poor, mm-hmm. they, they still can have a soccer ball and play. So being in Rio right. for the Copa Mundial, I mean, it's the whole city was on fire. There was mm-hmm. a party everywhere. People dancing in the streets, um, uh, you know, drinking beers, you know, you know, clinking of cups. It was Everywhere you went, mm-hmm. everyone was having a good time. Dogs were dancing. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give an example of like, this is how I like to explain the Brazilian people, just how beautiful and fun loving they are. So the night of uh, the semifinals when Brazil lost against Germany, it was mm-hmm. it was a routing. I think it was seven to one or seven to two, something like that. Um, we were watching in a public square where you know it was it was dead silent during the game. Nobody was saying a word. But as soon as the game was over. Everybody clapped, they put on dance music, and it was like a dance party in the street. And right. like everybody just 
brushed it off. It was right. like, you know, it, they they didn't let the loss ruin their their good times, mm-hmm. which was, you know, to me, it was just beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a there's a word in in Portuguese, um, beleza, which the literal meaning of the word is beautiful. Mm-hmm. But people down there use it as a question and as an answer. It's like beleza. Beleza. Like, <laughs> how's it going? It's good, you know. Right, so right. Just to give you a snap, a little, a little pearl of um, of, of who they are in their culture. Right. Like, they will say, "How are you?" Is beautiful, and people will answer back, "Beautiful." Mm-hmm. And, and and that truly is the culture of that mm-hmm. of, of Brazil. You know, they're beautiful people. They love to be outgoing. They're very friendly. They love to dance. They they love to have a good time and. To all visitors, whoever come there, and I hope you do go to Rio because it will blow your mind. Whoever might be listening, because it is one of the most amazing places in the world, one, hands down, one of my favorite cities ever. So you guys also did carnival, not in not in Brazil, right? In uh, Colombia. In Colombia. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So outside of Rio, um, the second largest place that celebrates carnival is in Barranquilla, Colombia. Um, which is also where um, uh, Shakira, Shakira from. is from. And Sofia <laughs> Vergara. And Sofia Vergara. Mm. Uh, so we, we, met a, we met a girl on Couch Surfers because the, the hostels and stuff were, were too expensive. We stayed mm-hmm. with her and she gave us the royal treatment. Milena, wherever you are, we love you. Um, <laughs> and we, we stayed with her and she, she gave us the on a silver platter where to go showed us where to go mm-hmm. and she took us to the parties she took us to we the would parties we would have never known those parties if it wasn't for her oh okay and it was just you know a three to four day just drink-a-thon <laughs> uh, I mean oh God. drinking from the morning all the way to the end um, going to drum circles different music events seeing mm-hmm. the parade um, and then at night we'd um, we went to this really famous salsa bar and it's really one of the things they love to do is they like to take um, uh, shaving cream and, and they just spray it all over everyone and everything. Okay. Yeah. So Not, not really shaving cream, but foam. Um, it's called espuma, which yeah. in Spanish it's is foam. foam. Yeah. But it, it was more just it, like water-based foam, uh, you know, that just gets everywhere. It, it, it really, it, it destroys everything. <laughs> you can't get away from it right. during carnival there. But th- there was one, me and Milena, there was, there was one girl who you could tell was just trash. Yeah. Like she, she, was, she was sitting in her seat. She was, her, her, her head was hunched over her belly. You know, Oof. she was not, dr- yeah, she was, she was totally incapacitated. She's yeah. So Milena, she's Colombian. I was like, you take the lead here, honey. I'll, I'll, I'll do what you want to do. Right. Takes the foam, sprays it all over this girl's face while oh she's God. passed out. <laughs> And then we, of course, do a a selfie right next to her. Of with, course, yeah, of course, the obligatory selfie. But I mean, you if you want to have a a damn good party, um, eat tons of awesome fried food and get drunk <laughs> all day long, go to Barranquilla and your mind will be blown. That Seriously, cool. It, yeah. it was great. It was so really great. You guys are telling me about all this awesome stuff that you guys did, but what about the bad stuff? There inherently has to be bad stuff that happened. Because you were gone for, you know, 10 months and bad stuff happens. So it, it couldn't be roses and, and unicorns and puppies and shit like the whole time. Definitely, definitely not. There's, there's a couple of stories that where we came to almost 
you know, near death experiences. But the first one, the most memorable one, the one that most people love to hear is about three <laughs> weeks into our trip, yeah. three weeks, Eric and I go to Chicamoca National Park in Colombia. And, you know, it's our first couple of weeks in, mm-hmm. and we notice that, you know, the, the park is developed, there's a parking lot, there's signs, there's guides. Mm-hmm. Looks totally legit. Right. No problem. <laughs> so it's a canyon. So, you know, at the bottom of the canyon is a river that runs, and there was a cable car that connected both sides of the canyon. Mm-hmm. We asked one of the guides and we say, hey, we're going to take the cable car over to the other side of the canyon. Um, can we hike back down to the water? And he's like, well, he's like, yeah, you know, you definitely can. And he said, um, you know, it'll be very easy to find. As soon as you get off the cable car, um, you'll see the entrance to the trail and, you know, you should be able to go down to the water and then there's a small cable car that you can go across. Right. One, it was late in the day. And as if, you, if you're a hiker, um, you never start a hike past noon. It's just, right. just a rule. It's a morning thing. Got to start in the morning. So that was kind uh, of... Hiking's out for me. Yeah. Yeah. No. It, it, so that was, that was the first thing that mm-hmm. we did wrong. Two, we didn't have sufficient water because we thought it was going to be just a, literally a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. And we weren't wearing proper clothing. And when she says we didn't have sufficient water, what we had was three... I don't know, I'd call them maybe three or four ounce plastic bags of water. Mm, nice. so, so that was all the water we had for the day. Yeah, so in South America, um, in a lot of places, especially underve- underdeveloped countries, um, they'll have water in plastic bags. And these bags, they're not like Ziplocs where you know you could toss <laughs> it around. The, if you drop them on something with a slight edge, they break. Right. <laughs> so it's like a water balloon. You're pretty much it's, walking yeah, around with a water balloon. It's a water balloon, or it's like a bag of chips with water inside. Oh shit! Uh, yeah. So th- that was the first mistake. Second, um, the trails, um, in comparison to the trails in America, um, weren't clearly marked. Um, uh, there were no signs. We didn't have a guide. And, you know, Eric and I were, were talking to a couple of people on our way down the canyon, you know, the villagers who lived there and we're like, yeah, we're going to try to get to the water. And they're like, this one woman who was a native, she's like, you're going to try to get down to the water tonight. Mm. That was probably the fifth sign that this is just not a good idea. Right. But you guys kept going. We kept going. Yeah. American spirit. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to turn back around. Then we'd have to go uphill instead of downhill. Right. Right. So we, oh we, we reach a school and the, the woman of the school says, hey, you know, just hang, hang a right around this bend and you'll connect to the trail. You should be fine. Mm-hmm. So we connect to that bend. Um, and then Eric's like, uh, this, I think this is a shortcut because um, we're, we're trying to get around the hill and mm-hmm. we're, we're supposed to be going down. He's like, right. no, let's just keep going down. So at this point, we're kind of going through farmers, um, fences. And I'm like, I really, Eric, this really don't do it. Right. So one of the rules was never go through unmarked trails or through fences of farmers' properties. Or gates. Never go through a closed yeah. gate so, right. as a rule of thumb. That was one rule that we broke. So we, we get down. So the, the sun is almost about setting. We're on this trail for like two and a half, three hours. I was like, Eric, what the hell are we going to do? Like, right. we, we, we're, we don't know where the hell we are. Um, we really should be getting back. Um, so Eric and I, we push on. We, we, we keep pushing on. <laughs> we 
keep going. We, we keep going. Unrealistically, we, we come to a farm where there's all these goats and we're like, oh man, we're going to find the goat herder. He's going to tell us where to go. He's going to give us a place to stay. We're going to have something to eat tonight. Everything's going to be good. We get to this farm, lots of goats, no freaking people. There's nobody, <laughs> no, no purveyor, nothing, nothing, right. nothing, nothing. Mm. Um, of course, we go through another fence, another farmed property. And I'm like, Eric, we really should turn back. He's like, no, we're pushing on. <laughs> it's clearly at this point sunset. Right. Um, we, we make a jump for it. And we're actually on the side of this kind of canyon, which has this rock that pretty much falls apart. Oh, yeah. fun. Yeah. We're standing on the side of this small cliff. And Eric's like, Dina, there's no other way to go but down. You have to jump down this cliff. And my heart's fucking pounding, man. Yeah. I, I, it wasn't uh, a jump. It was more of a slide. But what we had to slide on was a, 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 you know the sheer side of a mountain on this braille rock onto a pedestal, which is no more than one square foot. Okay. That's two people trying to get that easy. Yeah, totally. That easy. Yeah. So Eric guns it. Right. And I'm like, Eric, there's literally like a quarter of a square foot for me to stand on. Right. And he's like, Dina, just like, I'm going to catch you, babe. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. (laughs) literally. (laughs) Slide down. I'll catch you. Oh my God. So, I, I'm wearing shorts. My legs are completely cut up. I, I slide down the side of this. Luckily, he catches me. We're standing on this small one square foot of space. And I'm like, my heart's trembling. I'm like, right. what the fuck are we doing? It's about nighttime. I'm like, <laughs> this is terrible. So at, at that point, we realized we, we have to sleep in this national park overnight right. in Colombia. So no big deal. No big deal. No big deal. And, you know... We've done a decent amount of hiking and adventure sports that I knew that the worst thing in this situation was to to get him worried or to be negative or be mm-hmm. like, oh, we're not going to get out of this. So I, I just remained positive the whole time. I was like, we're going to get through this. No worries. You know, we're also sleeping on a rock. And when, right. when you're trying to sleep on a rock in the middle of the night in a national park, it doesn't really work out. It, it really mm-hmm. doesn't. There's not much sleep going on. There was not no. much sleep. You know, we were scared about the snakes because we had heard there were a lot of snakes. So we, we tried to keep each other up, try to be positive. Later on that night, we we realized, I was like, Eric, let's let's build a fire. Mm-hmm. Let's let's do something that's going to make us feel better, um, get our spirits a little up. We built that fire. And I tell you what, where we stayed in the middle of this canyon, there was no sign of human life or human existence for years. And sometimes you'll see a footprint. Right. You'll see some piece of debris. A bottle cap. A or bottle something. cap. Um, a piece of plastic. Nothing. This land was pristine. You wow. did not see anything. So we knew pretty much no humans had been there for quite some time. Right. <laughs> and um, one also, I mean, while we're freaking out a little bit, uh, we also noticed how beautiful this land was. Mm-hmm. You know, there's cactuses, there's this rich clay rock, um, beautiful flora and fauna. You know, we saw bats during the middle of the night, birds, bugs, cactuses, you know, an insane amount of beauty while we're also experiencing um, sheer terror. Sheer itself. terror. Yeah. Sheer terror. So wake up that next morning, it's raining. And it hadn't rained in this part of Colombia in quite some time. We're, we're licking water off of rocks. Right. We're, we're harvesting it in our hands. We're, we're trying to get as much uh, hydration back into our bodies. Right, because you only had the the water. The blurs. three bags of water were gone. Yeah. What, what, we dropped one and started leaking. Oh. So 
I, 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 when, when we dropped it, I was like, drink it, drink it, drink it. So <laughs> that one went rather early in the day. Right. Um, but so it, we were pretty close to the equator at this point. So, you know, the sunrise, sunset is 6 p.m., 6 a.m. kind of thing, 6 a.m., 6 p.m. Um, so we knew we had 12 hours yeah. of just waiting until we could start walking again once the sun went down. Um, we did manage to harvest a couple oranges from a tree. Uh, That's two, cool. Two passion fruits that we found along the way. So we had some fruit. We had, you know, it's not like we had nothing, right. but we were certainly underprepared. Um, we weren't planning on, you know, anything more than a, a small two to three hour day hike. Mm-hmm. Right. It turned into an overnight stay. Right. Mm-hmm. Next morning, um, you know, we, we build that fire. The sun is about to open up. We get the water is, you know, it's raining. We're licking water off of rocks. We finally say, okay, come on, let's go. We head out. We, we get, we, we do as much as possible. And we're, we're in this crazy bush. It's hard for us to describe it, but Eric and I had cactus, uh, thorns about 20 to 30 in our hands our oh legs our legs were scraped up we had no machete we're, we're going through the brush like right. thick thick brush cactuses and at that point like we couldn't like you know you know pussyfoot around cactuses we were just like who gives a shit we're stepping on the cactuses we're going oh my you know God. the day one dina was was scolding me for for breaking the cactus like i'll try not to um but after spending a night in the bush sitting on a cactus i day two was just fuck this kick it fuck this and yeah. trample it <laughs> <laughs> we we finally make it to the water and on the other side of the water there's actually these mining crews and we're trying to wave to these miners you know of course nobody hears us right um we're like oh maybe we could cross the water the 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 tide was too high yeah we, that sounds dangerous yeah we wouldn't have been able to swim so we go we we travel along the perimeter of the of the river, and we notice um, the bottom of where that cable car is. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at it, and uh, we realize that one, it hadn't been used. It's a small cable car that um, is hand. It's like is hand. Um, how do you call how do you call that manual? It, it's, it's manual powered. You got to pull yourself across the cable once you oh, hit the center shit. of it. You know, yeah. gravity will take you to the center of it, and then you got to pull yourself up to the other side. Oh hell! So. We we scream over to the engineering staff who's in this who's in the regular cable car the mm-hmm. electronic you know the no like a work platform like a work a work one and we're screaming that we're like ayuda 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 we're screaming at the top of their lungs they look at us they're like oh snap they go across the way and um, out of these six kind of stealthy Colombian you know engineer and uh, national park uh, security uh, the one stealthy guy puts himself into the manual cable car and he he's 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 roughing it man mm-hmm. i could see the arms the arm muscles like he's sweating bullets he's pulling himself along this wire to help save us right and he 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 finally gets to the other side we we pull him over we jump into the car we get to the other side when we get to the other side we're totally dehydrated we're faced with the security of the park and also colombian police officers oh shit yeah and they're like how the hell did this happen one also our spanish wasn't that good at this point right. so we're kind of speaking in broken spanish and they're just like what the, what happened how did you get yourselves into that situation you know eric and i just went through one of the toughest nights of our life now we're being you know we're on this inquisition with these you know scary colombian police officers and eventually 
eventually there, you know, they, we, you know, we had our conversation, we told them all the details Mm -hmm. and they were just like, oh shit, like how how the hell did this happen? And then we asked them, when was the last time that you actually had to use that manual cable car? And they're like, about four years ago. Right. (laughs) Yeah. We're the dumb Americans. Last time some gringos got stuck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But um, we realized, and then we, we, we get, we, they, they were very helpful. They gave us plenty of water, and we go to the other side, and we see the guide, the National Park guide, who told right. us it was totally okay to go over there. And we're like, dude. You're a fucking liar. You're a fucking liar. Like, we, we literally almost died last night. We slept in the park. And he's like, really? He's like, oh, okay. Like, right. <laughs> like, oh, well. No pasanada. No yeah. pasanada, which, you know, is a, is a very, very famous phrase because it pretty much means like, no worries. No, no, nobody gives a shit. Right. And, and that was a, an ongoing theme that we came into and we, we hit it right at the beginning. Right. So that's, that's our near our one near-death experience um, in How many Chikamoka. total near-death experiences did you guys have? Uh, that was the closest. That one. was the closest. There was another one where we almost drowned. Um, but we can get into that a little bit later if you want. <laughs> Dina says we almost I drowned. almost drowned. I was doing fine. I almost drowned. Yeah. Okay, we'll get into it. Yeah, like, okay. <laughs> what the hell were you guys doing? So Eric and I really wanted to go to this. Um, it's called Luanawana. It's an area in... Uh, Peru, Peru, where um, it's it's very well known for kayaking, mm-hmm. and Eric and I, you know, we we got pretty into whitewater kayaking, and um, we trekked all the way out to this beautiful, beautiful place, and we get there, and you know, it's not, of course it's not in season yet, the water <laughs> levels are too low, but we find one guy in the whole town that says. I'll take you kayaking. Oh like, my god! Cool, dude. Let's do this. You guys went with someone's janky uncle to go oh, whitewater man. kayaking. Well, he was the only one in town that would take us because he was the most familiar with um, that type of kayaking in that river. Um, there were other bigger um, outfits that had, you know, ten, twelve, um, but those weren't ready to go yet because the water levels were so low. I see. They so. just weren't set up for the season yeah. yet. So you guys went with someone's janky uncle <laughs> to <laughs> like go rafting. Janky nephew. <laughs> More like janky nephew. <laughs> All right. He was guy. in his twenties. I know, but he was he was he, you could tell he was he he was a professional guide. He was skilled. Um, he had to borrow the kayaks from his friend. Okay. The, the equipment was fine. It's just but guys, not like, what we you, were used to. You do see how this seems mad crazy. <laughs> like, first, he's the only one that will take us. Second, he doesn't have any equipment of his own. <laughs> like, two, it's totally out of season. Right. So it, I, the, we we didn't want to give up. Well, we wanted to go kayaking. I'm gonna and- tell him. I'm gonna tell him how how he found us. So we were walking around this town pretty much all day, going right. to the out fitters asking if they were if they were set up and they're like uh not really but i know somebody so they all kept calling the same kid oh my um, god and as we were going out leaving a restaurant from dinner from that night this kid pulls up on like a rickety bicycle he goes hey are you the guys that want to go kayaking <laughs> i'm like yeah he's like i'll take you tomorrow i'm like all right sounds good guys um, this seems like if you were in like manhattan and like all this janky shit would have been happening. You guys were like, get the fuck out of here. But because you were on this magical journey, you were like, this is fate. And it's like, I don't, I don't think that's the case. Yeah. I, I agree with that. <laughs> These are the facts. It probably wouldn't have, have, you know, 
join some some weird kid on a bicycle want to take you know, kayaking. We weren't in Manhattan and we weren't in a place that we knew. So we we took what we what came to us as as natural and common. Mm-hmm. So so they they didn't have like solid kayaks. We were on one of those inflatable kayaks, mm-hmm. a Banana. ducky, a ducky. A ducky. Uh, and they they kind of they kind of sit high up on the water, which we're not really that used to. We're used to a bit more balance, and also we were in a double kayak, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it takes it requires a certain amount of, of um, practice with each other that mm-hmm. we, you know, we're, we're pretty pretty in tune to each other, mm-hmm. but even still, we were having trouble uh, synchronizing with each other. So we were having trouble in this river, and we flipped a couple times. Mm-hmm. But the last time we flipped, like he warned us, he's like, this next one we're going to go through, you're probably going to flip. It's right. a little rough of a, of a rapid. Mm-hmm. Um, like, okay, you know, whatever, we made it this far. Right. Um, so we we dunk in the water, and almost immediately, Dean and I we separate. We're going on separate sides of the river. Mm-hmm. Um, the kayak is gone. All the equipment's floating down the river. Oh my god! And you know the guy had a choice: <laughs> which one is he going to go after? He's going to go after both of us. I was a bit closer to the shore. Um, still had my paddle, and I was able to use my paddle to steer myself. So mm-hmm. I, I, I made it to shore relatively quick. Dina took off um and then i guess you could tell them your your death uh, defying acts so <laughs> one right after eric and i got separated um you know i'm with the guide and you know I, i'm we're i'm 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 tumbling down this river. Yeah. I'm in a whitewater rapid. Water's coming in my face. I'm trying to stay above water. You know, I, I'm nervous. I, my heart's trembling. And and the guide says to me, tranquilo, tranquilo. And I'm like, I can't fucking be tranquilo right now. I'm like dying, dude. And, and it became an inside joke ever since then. Tranquilo, tranquilo. So... You know, he he's like, uh, you know, there's a, you know, there's some safety things that we had learned with whitewater kayaking, and because the the river was so low, it's very dangerous when the water is so low. So you have to kind of, you know, pretty much stay above the water, and you know, put your knees into your chest so that your hand, your feet don't get caught under rocks underneath Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. So the water level was at like a place that you couldn't really stand in the river. So when it's higher, when it's when it's high enough that you're above the rocks, yeah, it's better. Um, if it's too low, you can't kayak in it. But the level we were at, the water level is probably like about three and a half, four feet. Oh so God. say you get caught under a rock and it pushes you down. The water is, you know, about up to your your mouth. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna it's gonna drown you a lot. So you you have to worry about the rocks under you, and you have to worry about the water going over your head. Right. So we were kind of in that like weird zone of danger. Prob- yeah, probably yeah. shouldn't be on the river. So right. <laughs> Which was a sign you guys got. Nah, nah, <laughs> nah we didn't. Nah. So finally, you know, and I, I mean, I must have moved maybe maybe a half mile down this down this river, you mm-hmm. know, with with the uh, with the guide, and he finally, you know, we get to a point. My heart's trembling. He's like, "You could stand here. You could stand here." And I'm like, "I can." And literally, like the water was like inches left. I I, I didn't realize. And you know, he's like, "I'm going." And he literally, like, I lost. We lost all of our equipment. He went and he got all of the equipment. Eric and I. Um, we're separated. I'm thinking all sorts of crazy things. I'm thinking he's dead. I don't know. And uh, long story short, uh, we end up 
going through a farmer's garden and we're pretty much walking barefoot. Right. Um, I, I get to the, I get to the, the main road in the town. Eric is maybe five or 10 minutes behind me. We see each other and then we meet up with the guide again. He's that pretty much that, that the day was ended at that point. Yeah. We were done. Yeah. We were done with the river. We were done. That, yeah. We were done. Yeah. I, I would think so. And like, just for, for people to kind of get and understand, like, Dina's not adult sized. Um, <laughs> like, she's just not. Like, you're a smooth, like, what, like, five, three? I'm, I'm five, one and a half, but I do okay. say to everyone I'm five, two. Shh, secret. So, you know, she's pocket sized. You know, Eric's adult sized. Yeah, so he's totally fine. But, like, I see you just getting swept down the river and just being like, well, we had a good run at it, babe. <laughs> I had a good run at it. It's about and, it. I, I, I'd just like to mention that that wasn't the last time we went on a river. We we went. You, you guys we went whitewater rafting the next time, but we it wasn't it wasn't no more rivers after that. Right, but you also waited until it was in season this time. No, right? we were the first people out the sec that next time too. So you learned absolutely nothing. We learned well, absolutely nothing. Well, there's a very big difference between, you know, rafting, whitewater rafting and whitewater and, and kayaking. kayaking yeah. You have to be so sh- like whitewater ra- kayaking is probably the most dangerous sport I've ever done because it's your 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 core has to be so strong to to support and and combat the, the mm-hmm. water. So um just the level of difficulty is quite different. But there's something to be said about being the first person to do something in that season. Yeah. We 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 were the beta test. Well, that, I don't know if I need to be the first if that means I could it could quite possibly be the last thing I do. I don't we're not really too agree fond to of disagree. We're not really too <laughs> fond of whitewater kayaking anymore. We'll do rafting, but I I don't think we'll do kayaking too much anymore. Well, don't worry. I just checked it off my list thanks to this. So. <laughs> yeah, it's really dangerous. <laughs> Cool. Like, no, guys. So, were there any medical things that that happened to you guys? Because you know you're yeah going through a developing Eric. continent. Um, besides, you know your sinus infections and the occasional eating a bad beef heart that gives you a terrible, a- terrible occasional um, stomach, stomach flu, stomach issues. Um, we contracted scabies, oh. which is a uh, parasitic uh herpes that um apparently you never get rid of right so that's it's with us for life cool um lots of bugs i got bed bugs i uh, maybe bed but on no un, definitely un, un, i have we know what bed yeah. bugs are um yeah. <laughs> we do I unconfirmed was, case. I, I was been bitten confirmed. by I thought was a spider but the doctor i went to said it was probably a cockroach that bit me and my left thumb swelled up to the size of my right hand. Oh. Um, after a 24-hour bus ride. I got um, sick a lot after bus rides. Well, yeah. We clearly learned after many 24-hour bus rides that my immune system was way stronger than Eric's. Yeah. Mm. Um, just, you know, after 24 hours of being on a bus, that recessed air, the coughing, the people, like Eric almost every single time got sick. So towards the end, we're like, okay, got to... Amp up, ramp up on vitamin yeah. C so we can kind of avoid this issue in the mm-hmm. future. But beyond that, I mean, you know, the, the stomach flu, you know, eating weird food, water that's different. Um, besides the skin issues with the bugs, um, for the most part, we Nothing were good. Serious, Nothing yeah. too serious. Cool. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that sounds... Sounds terrifying. <laughs> like, I'm not even going to fucking lie to you. Like, I am sitting here like... 
Maybe I need to just cross this off the bucket list. This sounds terrible. <laughs> I, I, I put a gash in my foot probably about what about that long, maybe two or three inches mm-hmm. long from uh, jumping off a, uh, a rock and yeah. muscles stuck to it. The oh. muscles cut me up. Okay. That well, was in Brazil? Yep. Oh, Jesus you know, small things here and there. Yeah, yeah. no, it's just... Nothing too bad. Yeah. But um, usually after a month of, of living in bad places, we always had to kind of just get ourselves a good hotel room mm-hmm. for a decent shower, decent bed, decent pillows. Some of the pillows you end up sleeping on are just, ugh. That to me that was that was the worst part. Some of the pillows we had to sleep on. Ew. That's gross. It yeah, was. it was gross. Like yeah. when you smell like the thirty people who slept on that pillow before you Stop. sweat and Stop. Like there was definitely a dirty Frenchman who used several of my pillows before yeah. I did. Stop. It's disgusting. And when when the pillow becomes two halves of of compressed filling material in the middle of it's just like an indent of a head you know it's time to change the pillow that's gross dude it is it's gross it is. <laughs> so bad that that's one of the biggest you know learned things is get yourself into some really uncomfortable situations deal with that discomfort be okay with it mm-hmm. you're gonna come out clean on the other side i assure you <laughs> <laughs> It's going to come out worse for wear on the other side. (laughs) So, obviously, you guys learned some things on this trip because you don't go through uh, almost dying twice and not not learn some things. So, like, what are some of the things that you guys guys learned? You could start. (laughs) I mean, you know, there were many things that we learned. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I actually, I wrote something, a little something. Um, Towards the end of my trip, I said, you know, Dina, what do you take away from this journey? Right. What, what what do you what do you what do you leave with? And don't we have our like ten rules in there too, or something? Um, I have I have something that I wrote that I thought was kind of. So I said I said right here there are a few things that I've learned on this trip. I said people genuinely generally enjoy one's zaniness, one's positivity, one's energy, one's uniqueness. To the point where the energy infects the ones around you, mm. um, being your true, authentic self. Um, it's a lot of. It's really hard for us to, for all of us, to just be who we are and mm-hmm. be okay with that, and and not let other people's opinions of what we think we're supposed to be affect who we are. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, people really respect you for who you are and your zaniness and your uniqueness. So just just be that authentic self. Mm-hmm. Um, that's. That's one of the biggest things that I take away with me. The other is um, get uncomfortable. Put yourself into some really uncomfortable, sticky situations. See how you can crawl through that and, and get through that. And that will give you confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, life isn't, like you said, it's not all about rainbows and unicorns and ponies. It's some really dark, dirty days. Mm-hmm. And if you can get through that and you can strive through that, um, you will be a better person. And that ultimately is what molds you um, as a human. Uh, And there's this kind of like rant poem that I wrote. Um, So I'm going to read it and we'll we'll see where it goes. (laughs) All right. So it says, communicate without spoken word, learn another language, sleep many nights in a tent, make a fire and look for yourself and others. Share mate. Let everyone use your straw. 
eat food that drops on a clean floor. Dig your feet in the sand and mud. Wear the same clothes for a few days. Talk to alcoholics, bums, street street performers, drug addicts. Um, Walk an old woman across the street. Shovel snow for your neighbor. Learn how to make bread. Say yes much more than you say no. Live with balance in all you do. Preach and show others. Dedicate yourself. And, um, and those are some of the biggest things I walk away from. Yeah, no. With this journey. It's definitely something where like when, when you walk to, when you get to the other side and sort of look back on what it is that you did, you're, you're incredibly amazed by what you did as a person. Like you're like, oh shit, that was me. Like what? And, and I can't imagine that you, you wouldn't grow. You wouldn't become sort of a different in, in perhaps a more improved version of yourself. So sort of what are those things that, that personally have kind of hold you forward? You know, because earlier on we were talking about, you know, Eric, you're like, I don't have shame anymore. If I want something, I just go after it. But mm-hmm. there had to have been some, some other things that were sort of fortified in yourselves that you're just like, if I had not have had this experience, I don't know if I necessarily would have gotten to this place. So I could, I, I could be considered lazy mm-hmm. at times. Where like I, I mean, I'll sit on the couch all weekend, not do anything, and wonder where the weekend went. <laughs> right. And I, I used to let the job I had define me. Be like, oh, you know, if somebody asked me, "Who are you?" I'd be like, "Oh, I'm an engineer." Right. And now I don't like letting the the profession I am define the person I am. Mm-hmm. It, I, it's like. I'm an engineer, but I like to hike. I like to ski. I like to have fun with my wife. You know, mm-hmm. uh, these. I, I I I'd rather let the events of my life define me than than the description of my profession. Right. Absolutely. Kind of Absolutely. You know, it's it's a hard it's a hard question to answer. You know, I think for me, you know. One of the biggest things about that journey was is is realizing you know sometimes when you just let go, mm-hmm. you let go of the job, the the awesome apartment, you know the beautiful clothes. You 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 let go of all of those things that are very much American and very mm-hmm. much a part of our ideals, a part of what makes our society run. Um, you th- through through relinquishing that lifestyle, you can you can open yourself up to a new world, mm-hmm. a new a new way of life, a new lens in which to see the world. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, ultimately, um, I think is probably the most important thing because without, without having this experience, without those 10 million interactions, without those 10 million uncomfortable moments, um, it, it wouldn't have... It wouldn't have given me the confidence to really know what's important to myself. Right. And um, a lot of the bullshit we think is important isn't. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. It just isn't. You know, and and other people in other parts of the world live with none of the things that we live with. Mm-hmm. And they get on perfectly fine. Absolutely. And coming back to America and once again working and, and moving and saving and, and doing all the things that are very important to us here in New York. Um, sometimes it makes me wonder if Eric and I can relinquish this lifestyle again 
to something like South America. Maybe not now, mm-hmm. um, but hopefully maybe when we retire. Because um, I know for a fact that this 9 to 5, this working, the 401k, it's not for me. And it's just right. not forever. Right. It just isn't. And uh, I, I encourage other people to, to go out and to see the world, to be a little poor, to wash your own jeans, to, <laughs> yeah, to, to, to be ingenious and to figure out and to solve problems in mm-hmm. real time. And that will be the most, uh, that will be the most important part of your education. Mm-hmm. So if you guys had to give, um, you know, advice to people who were thinking of doing something like this, you know, what would be some of, some of the things that you would suggest for them? Don't think too much. Don't yeah. think too much. I, I, yeah, she's absolutely right. Don't, don't try to model your trip on somebody else's. Mm-hmm. Don't try to plan every day out. Um, just figure out what your main priorities are and do your best to, to make those happen. And mm-hmm. if, if you didn't do everything you wanted to do, that's all right because don't don't spend all your time, you know, worrying about the things you didn't do, and just just remember about the things you did do, mm-hmm. and you know, have find joy in that. And find, you know, one of the things we learned in business school. One of mm-hmm. our professors said he said, "Don't don't think yourself to a standstill." Right. We get so wrapped up into what ifs and that and, oh, what if I don't have enough money and, and you know, my, my skin and I get sick and you will just not do anything. And right. You'll make yourself mentally sick. Right. Don't think too hard. Go with the flow. Relax. It's not a numbers game. It's not an, it's not a, you know, who's is bigger than who's. Mm-hmm. It's, you're not here to impress anybody. Right. You're here to live life for yourself and you're here to to experience as much as you can in the short amount of time that you're given. Right. So that's, that's what I, that's one of the biggest things I would say, please just don't think, think about it too much. Just do it. (laughs) Just do it. So an additional question that I have as a part of this series, um, because I'm kind of a music nerd and I love music. uh, I want to know if you guys have like a travel theme song that you would sort of put to this. We have two songs, two originals we wrote. You guys wrote songs? Yes. Okay. Well, hold on, hold on. So One's real, one's real. My, my playlist. <laughs> one's real. One's, one's a real song. Yeah. yeah. One of like the music that I had on my playlist that I just listened to over and over again was a lot of Paul Simon. Um, I listened to a lot, of, a lot of stories, a lot of storytelling, old rock folk music mm-hmm. um, that's just about what we did, mm-hmm. living life, being on the road, getting dirty, um, making friends, making new uh, experiences last long. So those are some of the, that's some of the music that's just the playlist for that whole trip. So I, I, mm-hmm. I take that. There is also a second thing. Eric and I, um, one day I, I got really inspired and I didn't even think this was possible. I'm sitting beside a Patagonian lake and I'm looking at these snow-capped ice mountains Mm -hmm. and I take out a piece of paper and a pen and I just start writing lyrics. Mm -hmm. It was very, very um, organic. Mm -hmm. It just just happened. It just happened. And it it really hasn't happened much after that. I've always been known to do ditties and like make up my own little silly rhymes, but... Oh, you got to rap too. 
Oh, I do, do have a rap. I do you have, have I do, a rap. I, I have a rap song that I did, and I think you might like it. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious. But that one I wrote when I came back home. Yeah. No, you have, we have a rap from there too. It wasn't very good. Oh my god! Remember about that? It's in here. Are you guys gonna rap for me? Let me see if I can find it. Her rap is well. Great. We could. Well, I definitely want to share the song that 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 I wrote, and then Eric also sings with me on the song. It's I accompany. Eric accompanies, <laughs> featuring Eric Waits. It's called Loving Through, and I hope you're ready. I don't know if I'm ready. You're ready? I don't, I don't right. know. I'm ready. You ready? Okay. I'm going to just do the chorus. With you. you sing the... You sing just the give, me like the, give me like the first verse. Give me the first verse. There's okay. only two. There's only two, there's only two verses and, and two chorus. It's very short. We're running out of time. We're so. going to run out of time. Okay. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Clouds in the sky keep, keep passing by. by. Sun is coming through when I see you smile. Patagonian Lake, oh how you made me wait. All I want to do is behold you tight. Cause in my arms and heart you'll be and I'm pretty sure you'll set me free. How can I repay you? Maybe just by loving through. Mountains of might. Ice capped and white. Climb that last run just before you're done. Look to the west. Hope for the best. Soak it in. Find another to begin. Cause in my arms and heart you'll be. And I'm pretty sure you set me free. How can I repay you? Maybe just by loving through. Maybe just by loving through you. That's good, guys. It's a good song, right? Yeah. It's, it's not even a joke. It's not even a goof. So I want to ask you guys the signature question of my podcast, and that is, what's the best advice you have never taken? Mm. Oh man. <laughs> it's a it's usually a stumper. Yeah. I, I'd like to say on the whole, I, I've been surrounded by a lot of older people for much of my young and adult life and a lot of those people have given me really solid advice and it's you know, led me to make a lot of the decisions I've 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 done mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm trying to think about the Something best I advice I never took um, don't do drugs <laughs> <laughs> there's like a creepy guy in an alleyway it's dark don't go by him right just don't right. do that yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that that's oh man you know what um, don't don't be so naive okay you know um, <laughs> you're saying you are naive no, right. I'm not. I'm saying. I'm saying. One one thing that someone told me is, you know, you're going to come into contact with some some beautiful people in this world, filled with light, and you're going to come into contact with some dark, devilish people in this world. Right. And don't think that it's that it's something that reflects on your character. Mm-hmm. So 
understand that in this world, you are going to come into contact with some people and don't be naive to that. Right. Understand that, yeah, there, there is darkness in the world. Don't think the best of everybody that you come into contact with. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a negative person. I'm, I'm really a, a positive person. Mm-hmm. But one thing I've realized in my life is, you know, sometimes don't, don't be so open and don't be so upfront with people that you lose sight of who you are. Right. Um, and understand that, you know what, that, that is the way of the world and don't think that it, it reflects upon you. And don't mm-hmm. let that discourage you from doing what you want in this world because there will, that will always exist. Right. So I guess the advice really is not to be, don't be so naive, think the best of people and, you know, trust people till they give you a reason not to, but just understand that, that, that doesn't, that doesn't harp on who you are. Right. And that's just the way the world is. Right. So, what about you, Eric? Got any pearls of wisdom? I, I guess the only thing I could say is I'm, I'm a pretty laid back guy. Sometimes to the point of like procrastination or like even just I'll burst Procrastinators off. unite. Yeah, <laughs> crammer. Um, I embrace it. <laughs> yeah, That's my style. <laughs> um, and at points I might have like failed to you know fulfill obligations. So mm-hmm. I would say the only advice that might not have followed from somebody is like just you know make sure to do the things you have to do in a timely manner. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm actually getting better at it lately. Um, realizing that like, there's a difference in things, you, things you want to do and things you need to do. Absolutely. Like things you need to do, obviously need to get done. So like you just, you know, just like I said, do the things you need to do mm-hmm. and don't, don't brush them off. Yeah, no. And I mean, I think that's another part of being, you know, reluctantly adult is that you recognize that you have, you know, the the difference, like you said, between things that you want to do and things that you need to do. And oftentimes it's the things that you need to do that you drag your fucking mm-hmm. feet on doing. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, I sometimes you're like, I'd rather pluck every single one of my eyelashes out right now rather than do whatever it is I need to do and sort of be on top of those things. Um, and it sucks. Some people would rather just dick around all day, yeah. every day, than kind of just buckle down a bit. Bu- buckle down and, and get it done. Yeah. Absolutely. Eric and Dina, thank you so much for being a guest on Reluctantly Adult. I really appreciate talking to you guys about this. Uh, I think I'm back on the fence about whether or not I actually want to do this now. <laughs> oh, do it, do it. But I, I would suggest maybe going someplace. Maybe for like a month or two. Right. Maybe someplace a little bit more infrastructure before you head out. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate this. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. And that's it. Thank you so much to Dina and Eric for being a guest on my show. That was freaking crazy. I don't think I could survive almost dying. <laughs> I think my biggest takeaways for this episode um, are, number one, get outside of your comfort zone. Explore what's around you. Uh, You never know how much that small step might change you. Um, Don't overthink it. Just go. Just do it. Number two, if you are going to do this, you must plan and plan some more. I know Eric and Dina seem mad chill, but I assure you, they researched this trip to no end. Like, they knew exactly what it was that they were doing. 
And finally, in order to do this, like you really, really need to save. And that definitely is going to mean that you're going to have to make some sacrifices. Uh, and then you're going to have to save some more. I did the math. 15K per person for a year roughly translates out to uh, about $1,250 per month. So if you know what your specific needs are, you can probably play around with those numbers. But um, as a basis, 15K is probably the number that you should aim for. So if you sign up for the newsletter, uh, you will be able to hear a podcast extra, which is Dina and Eric's Golden Girl inspired rap dedicated to all the terrible people they met while on their trip. Uh, It is absolutely hilarious. So tell me what you thought. You can leave me a comment on the website at www.ireluctantlyadult.com or you can follow me on Instagram at ireluctantlyadult or on Twitter at reluctantlyadlt. You can also rate and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and on Google Play. If you have a topic idea or you want to send a voice note or something like that, uh, you can email me at ireluctantlyadult at gmail.com thank you to Christopher Davis for my intro and my outro music. If you like his music and you want to hear more, you can find him on SoundCloud. He's at CRD Music. His username is CRD128. Uh, Seek him out. Check out what he has. Also, thank you to the amazing Ken Griffin for my incredibly dope logo. Uh, Thank you to all of my guests this month. I really appreciate you all being on the show. Uh, It was really, really fun to speak with all of you. And as always, thank you to all of you listening. Um, Oh, P.S. In case you were wondering, my travel theme song is Runaway by Janet Jackson. I feel like it's kind of cheesy, but at the same time, I just freaking love that song. So I'm sending you guys out on that one and I'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.